can't win if you don't play. So that's the, that's my motto. I say probably a hundred times a week is you can't win if you don't play. So. All right, folks, real treat. This week, we're joined by Alec from Pin Golf, co-founder of Pin Golf. How's it going, man? What's up, Dan? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Dude, I'm doing well, and I'm pumped to have you on. I'm inspired by guys like you. I'm inspired by entrepreneurs, more so than good golfers. So, you know, Matt had reached out to me about a possible affiliate, and I just wanted to have you guys on the on the um, podcast. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm one, of, one of those. I'm uh, an entrepreneur. I wouldn't call myself a good golfer, but we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. All right, so kind of taking a step back, dude, looking at your LinkedIn, you didn't necessarily have the most traditional, uh, you know, kind of like intro into golf. So can you kind of just provide some context into, you know, who you are? And Yeah, for sure. Um, so like you mentioned, I'm one of the uh, one of the three co-founders of Pinned Golf. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up, golf really wasn't in my repertoire. Uh, I, was, I played football, I played basketball, I played baseball. Um, so golf never really entered the scene until I'd say probably about end of high school, beginning of college. Um, got a job at a, at a local country club, um, was in the snack shack. So just like banging out burgers, dogs, chicken tenders. No stranger to the snack shack, dude. It's one of the best jobs I had. Um, and we got to golf on Monday and Tuesday for free. Sick country club in my town called Wampanoag. Um, couple of my buddies remembers like their families remembers too so it was kind of a a no-brainer to like right. hey dude go get some clubs get out there and at least just kind of like try to learn mm-hmm. um and then i mean from there i just kind of fell in love with it moved up here to boston right out of school got a uh a sales job just cold calling cold email and for a telecom company um so nothing golf related but was two minutes down the road from a golf course that was like 800 bucks under 30 all you can play damn so i was like okay no brainer Mm -hmm. so Um, you're in boston at this time like you've always been in boston you've always been okay oh no sorry so i I grew up in west hartford connecticut gotcha so grew up in grew up in connecticut went to school at assumption college in worcester um and then took a job up in boston and have been up here ever since right all right. So then what'd you learn in sales, dude? Like how is that transferable to entrepreneurship? Right. Cause you always hear sales is life, right? A hundred percent is. Um, I mean, I just got, I, I, I learned that just because someone says no, doesn't mean that the answer is actually no. It just means it's probably wrong place, wrong time. Like if you have a good product and, and you know, it's a good product and you truly believe that it's a good product that like you just, you, you circle back in, yeah, in a follow few months. Follow up, baby. And the answer, exactly. Throw them in the, the sequence, be, dude. A couple of touch points, right? 100%. So um, I got told that. And I mean, just I, I didn't got, getting out of school, I didn't didn't have a job right off the bat. Got this probably, got this sales gig like a month or two after I graduated and um, had, had no real expectations. Didn't really even know like what selling was really, you know, like I didn't know how to, I was never cold called in my entire life, barely sent a cold email in my entire life. And, um, so it was just, it was just a fast pace, like, and it just, it really itched my competitive nature. And I was just like, all right, this is, this is cool. This is what I know I want to do. And it just, it just catapulted me into ultimately starting pinned and just being getting told no a bunch of times and then just being like, yeah, no, that's wrong place, wrong time. 
For sure. All right, dude, that's badass. So let's dive into the transition between like the telecom company account manager position to pinned, right? And all I have, dude, is your LinkedIn. That's all. I, this is our first time talking. Did a quick look at the LinkedIn. So if I'm looking at the LinkedIn chronologically, you went to solo golf. So is that was that your like first venture out of, you know, uh, like sales into golf? Uh, no, solo, solo golf was actually a, a more recent thing um, that a buddy of mine had started um, a buddy who I just became friends with through the golf network here in, in New England. Um, he started it back in 2018. And over the course of the last five years, he's had five kids and they're all under the age of, I think, six. Wow. So he just doesn't have time to it's run Catholic, a business. Dude, so, Catholics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Catholics. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so he didn't, he doesn't really have time to run business, let alone like try to do sales outreach and things of that nature. So he approached me after seeing what we've started with pinned and, and grown pinned too. It was just like, Hey, any chance you'd like to come in and, and sort of help me grow, grow solo. Cause he had a great foundation. They have great products. Uh, go check them out at sologolf.com, sologolfco.com. Um, and so I just, I just, I more of an advisor there and, and, and sort of really help him just push product forward. Um, but from telecom to pinned, um, well, PIM started while I was still at Granite, which was a telecom company. So we started 2018. It was a side hustle while I was at Granite for probably two and a half years. Um, so we were working on weekends. I was running to the post office before work, running to the post office at lunch. Um, with orders or accounts. samples? or Yeah, with, with, with orders. With I was responding to customer emails at my desk while I should have been cold calling, cold emailing. Um, so it just, it was as scrappy as it comes. Um, cause we were straight bootstrapped. Like me and my two co-founders, we bootstrapped it since the beginning. We just, we all threw in some money and we were just like, Hey, let's see if we can make something of this. Um, so we had, <laughs> we had no idea what we were doing, right? Like we were all in tech sales. We, all we knew how to do was cold call, cold email and, and, present quotes like we didn't know how to find manufacturers we didn't know how to set up a shopify site we didn't know how to connect that to to gmail to create a, a support email we didn't know how to even really do any digital marketing aspect whether it's facebook ads google seo things of that nature so um we were kind of just building the plane as we were flying it and we still are, right? That's just, that's what entrepreneurship is. It's just building the plane as you're flying it, learning as you go. Um, so we were just, we were hustling. I mean, we still are hustling to this day, but I don't have to run to the post office at lunch anymore. We have a whole team. A FBA our, action our too, shipping. right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, All right. So, so going back into like the actual product with pinned, right? Like kind of, and talking through the genesis of like how this all came to be. Yeah. Like, I really want to yeah. dial into that, like, mindset of, all right, I'm at this job, a good tech sales job, but, like, yeah. I don't feel fulfilled X, Y, Z. I want to do this other thing. Can we touch a little yeah. bit on that? Because I think sure. a lot 100%. of people talk about starting this business or want to talk about a business. And it's, like, yeah. scary, you know, I think. But I want to yeah. just dive into that frame for you yeah. and how you, like, for sure. made that fucking leap, dude, because it's hard, right? Yeah. Oh, did it. I mean, it 100% is hard. And I'll, I'll take even farther back than the, the tech sales job to where my entrepreneurial eyes were opened. Uh, my family owned an Italian ice company growing up. So I saw them 
schlepping Italian ice carts, Italian ice at different events all up and down New England, right? So that was that was their their job for a while. So when I was younger, I would go to these events, help them out, take cash, do the be the cash register, sometimes scoop and, and do all that stuff. So I saw that and I saw them sort of making their own hours, but obviously working their asses yeah. off. Were they? Are you um, first generation so that, American too? Like, are they straight from? The motherland? No, no, yeah. no, no, they're not. But they're, yeah. we have we have family who are. Gotcha. Um, right. Just curious. So, yeah, they had a. She, my grandmother had an Italian bakery in the south end of Hartford, um, and they served the Italian ice there. And then she sold that. My dad took the Italian ice, and um, and sort of created it into Lorenzo's Italian ice and, and ran with it. So that was my my first intro into entrepreneurship, and then from there I would do little random things, right? Like I created a, um, like a, a snack shack at, um, at like our youth basketball games where I'd like hire my cousins. Cause I was playing in the league too. I'd hire my cousins and right. go to like TJ's and owner just, player, and just, dude. You're like LeBron. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> just buy Liverpool, dude. Have them work the concessions. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I'd go to BJ's and just buy like wholesale stuff and just come to these, these games and just set up and then from there then it, it it just continued to eat away at me right i knew i knew within probably the first year of my tech job that i was just like yeah no i can't be i can't be working for someone for the rest of my life it's just it's not motivating you know it's just like especially in sales it's just like i'm gonna work my ass off grinding cold calling banging my head against the phone just to make three other people above me money because I closed this deal. It's just, again, I love everyone I worked for. I love the company. Um, the CEO is the absolute man. We became really close friends, but like, I just knew at the end of the day that he, I, I just, I couldn't, couldn't work for someone. So, um, then getting into sort of the side hustle of things, we were just on, out on the course one day and, and just, didn't have a rangefinder. Me and my two co-founders, we were just like, why are they so freaking expensive? Um, and when we turned to Amazon to see if they had any cheap ones, they did, but they were like 80 bucks. They broke within like one of the first couple rounds of using them. Um, so we were just like, all right, well that sucks. But like, is there a market for a high quality product without the high price point? Right. You see, I'm not going to drop names, but you see the bigger brands that are four five six hundred bucks and it's just like well i'm two years out of school i can't i can't afford to spend that total kick um, in the nuts dude and then you can lose it too right and you're just out, yeah, of, yeah, out of that money dude i've lost 100%. plenty of range finders <laughs> yeah I, as, as have i luckily i have, <laughs> yeah, I have a range finder company right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly so yeah. um so yeah so i, I mean to, to touch upon the jump a little bit right like we when we first started we didn't know if this was going to work right like we had no idea we we like i said we didn't know anything we didn't know how to set up shopify we didn't know how to to do anything that went into business because they don't teach that at school right like i'm talking to these chinese manufacturers from from nine o'clock at night to to midnight because i'm like oh yeah shit they're actually like on the complete opposite side of the world right like you don't even think about that that goes into it um so we had no idea what went into it so um, we started small, you know, like we just, we said, okay, you know, let's, let's start. We didn't, we didn't invest a, a ton of money, right? Like we were, we were bootstrapping this entire thing. So we were just like, Hey, let's, let's start with buying. I, I think the original order was like 60 units. 
And we were just like, hey, you know what? Like, if we can sell these, worst comes to worst. There's 60. We have three of our, we have three guys who are running this thing. We each at least have 20 friends. At the absolute bare minimum, we could sell these things to our friends at cost 20 each of these. And, you know, it, it will, if, if it comes down to that, we'll wipe our hands clean and we'll move on. Luckily enough, we didn't, it didn't get to that, but that's just sort of the, our mindset of just like at the end of the day, like we took gradual steps to, to get to where we are today. And it, we didn't, and we never bit off more than we can chew. And we always knew that like if push came to shove, we'd be able to move these things, especially in the early days. Right. I want to bring it back to, so this was 2018, right? So five years ago, right? That's the yeah. other thing. It takes time, it's right? Crazy five years right what do they say they say you uh, you overestimate what you can do in a day but you underestimate what you can accomplish in a year right yeah and then you times that by yeah, five and that's on. where you guys are at right yeah i mean, I mean it's it, it's it's been quite the journey right mm-hmm. it's i when we first started i never in a million years would have thought that i would be sitting here one even having this conversation and two like owning really uh, my own golf company you know mm-hmm. like i i thought it was would have been a cool side hustle to make a couple extra bucks get some get some free rounds of golf in make some extra money to to buy new clubs or buy new new golf swag but here we are you have a a number of full-time employees Mm -hmm. we're um got a bunch of international distributors we're in pro shops that i wouldn't even imagine can you flex a little can you flex you just just like where are we at Uh, where's pinned at yeah I'll, I'll drop one this, yeah. uh, winged foot. We got into winged foot, Damn. which is pretty wild. And mm-hmm. when I saw that email come in from one of our sales rep, I was just like, I called him immediately. I was like, yeah, is this a typo? Are you sure about yeah. this? Like, yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it takes time. It's, yeah. it's been a grind. Like I, I can't, I, I can't stress that enough. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely hasn't been an overnight success by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a blast. Like right. I'd rather be doing this, making, I think Mark Cuban has a quote or something like that. I'd rather be making 80% or 20% of, of what I used to make working for myself as opposed to 100% of what for working for somebody else. I, I completely right. butchered that quote, but you get what I'm, you yeah. get the, the gist I'm trying to say. For sure. All right. So dialing back and like looking at your initial strategy, I mean, you had mentioned, all right, like, did you do like business plans and like market analysis and stuff to see kind of like where, where like the right price point was, or was it more about just kind of going out, taking action? And like you said, flying the plane as it goes, because I I think a lot of people will get paralysis by analysis, right? They'll sit there, they'll do all these reports because that was, that's what they taught in business school. I went to business school. We have to have X, Y, Z before we you know, even think about ordering the samples, like, did it, was it like that? Or was it kind of just like, all right, we're going to go find the manufacturer and I'm just going to throw, I don't know if it was like Alibaba or what, like that's, that's just what I'm exposed to. I don't know about any other manufacturers. We're just going to go out, we're going to find the sample and then we're going to fucking figure it out. Yeah. So funny enough, the, the original idea of, of pinned and what I brought to my two co-founders were, we're going to buy a, a large sum of these rangefinders, and then in turn we're going to get them into courses for courses to then rent them out to their golfers 
oh, wow. throughout the entire season. Yeah, which is so, that would just disrupt I mean, the model of rangefinders too, right? I mean, that's never been freaking done before, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we thought that that would be a great idea, right? Yeah. Especially up here, especially up here in the Northeast, you got courses that are open for six, eight months tops. So it's just like, hey, this doesn't take up count, that much counter space. It's not that huge of an upfront investment, and we did this whole model. We did th- this was the business plan that we created. We did this whole model, just as up overview of like, okay, you got tea times seven minutes apart. You have this many tea times throughout the day. You rent it to this many people, this percent during the day. You charge ten dollars per rental. At the end of the season, you get X. So we started approaching some pro shops with this idea, and what we realized was no one wanted to listen to us. They were just like, as you know, a lot of these people who've been sitting behind the, the desk at the at the pro shop have been there for 30, years, 40 dude. years. Just sour <laughs> guys, right? I yeah. mean, 100%, right? Like, yeah. Again, I'm not, I'm not everyone, but there are a lot of people. And it was just like, and they don't want to hear me and two other people cold call them at six o'clock at night when they're wrapping up to say, hey, by the way, like any chance you want to buy these rangefinders from us so you can rent them out to your to your members? They just didn't want to hear that, you know? Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it for them. And they were just like, yeah, you know, we don't need this, you know? Like it's it's just, it's fine. So we soon realized cold calling during the day, cold calling when we got home was just getting told no and screw off, was just really eating away at us. And we were just like, yeah, no, this isn't, this can't be it, right? Like there's no way that that uh, this idea is a good idea. So we're like, all right, we're sitting on these rangefinders. Like what do we do with them? Was this so then, part of the initial 60 that you had said earlier? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, correct. All right. Like I don't I don't think we got one single course on with the first 60. Um, so then we're sitting on the, the original 60. We're like, all right, how do we move them? And we're like, all right, well, pe- a lot of people are selling things online these days. Like let's see if we can do that. And – I'll give a shout out to one of the very first influencers that we worked with. This guy named Brian Golf down in Florida. Got connected with him through a, a mutual connection, and we sent him one. He loved it, and he started promoting promoting it for us. And we were just like, we kept seeing these sales come in, and we were like, "Wow, this is sick!" Like, <laughs> just one post, like. Before that, right? I thought influencers were like were losers, right? I thought they were like, oh, they're just they're out there, kind of just like, I, I just doing anything they can for money. Let alone, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's a brand on the other side of that who's like rooting for these guys to to sling as much product as they can. And now I'm in that boat, and I'm like, all right, yeah, these people are sick. I love working with all of them. They're they're amazing. So, so Brian um, Golf, yeah. I've seen him because he's like a. It's he has yeah. like one of the better golf shops, right? Like in Florida. Yeah, so in he's Florida. like, yeah. So he had that so pole, he, and he actually like could move the needle. Because I was the same way. Like you think about yeah. an influencer, like all right, you can have X amount of followers, but like, what does that mean? Does that even move the needle? But you actually saw no. like tangible benefit. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it was it was wild, right? Like I had never experienced anything like that in my entire life, and. We moved through the 60s super quickly and then we were like, okay, well, screw it. Let's buy a hundred. Let's see if we can, why not? Let's see if we can just continue to go back to the well and, and maybe reach out to a few other people and see what happens. And then we did, we moved those and then we were like, all right, well, maybe like 500. Why not? Like, let's just, at this point again, we're all working regular jobs where we have 
a, a good salary, good commission. Like we don't, we don't necessarily need to take any money out of the company. So we're just, we're reinvesting every single dollar that we have. And, and at that time too, we weren't like, we weren't, we didn't have a, a huge digital marketing spend or anything like that. So everything we, everything we sold would go right back into just buying more units. Hmm. So is this uh, still in 2018 as well? Like that same like, year like or 20, 2018, we moved, we moved like a couple hundred units. And then in 2019, um, our, our really big break was we started working with Barstool and the four play guys. And then yeah. it just kind of, it just helped. It just took off from there. Yeah. All right. Real so, fast. Before we get yeah. into that, with all of these like white labeled and everything pinned, or was it more like, like had that already been established with the, the supplier? In terms of like, like the, was the product it, itself and everything, yeah. Like, did it come with like? Yeah, all I the mean, pack- these were just yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, these they're they were they're pin branded. We we designed like the packaging and everything, um, but yeah, they, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like our technology or anything like that. Um, it was just sort of like a proof of concept. Like, let's say, hey, let's see if there's a market for people out there who want a high quality but affordable rangefinder. And sure enough, there was and. Now, yeah, now, now we have a whole design engineering team and, and, and all of that product development and all of that. So it's, it's looking crazy, dude. Like, all right, let's get into the barstool voice. Like, like let's, let's talk about moving the needle, right? With these guys, like, like how did that all come about? <laughs> yeah, it, that was wild. Um, so Riggs just tweeted out one day, he was like, yo, I'm in the market for a new range finder. Anyone have any suggestions? So we hit him immediately back. Um, and we're like, yo, send us your address. You'll have one in the mail tomorrow. Um, so we, we sent him one. We wrote him a little handwritten note tying in because he was a Harvard guy. Barstool started right around the corner from the course that we always used to play. Um, so we just kind of tied everything into this one little handwritten note. He got the product, loved it, read the, read the note um, and hit us back and was just like, yeah, this product's great. Love it. Uh, we should find a way to work together. We we're like, yeah, okay, say less. <laughs> like, tell us, tell us who we need to talk to, and, and we'll talk to him. So, um, he started doing. He just started giving us like free shoutouts and everything like that, and then it turned into us becoming the official rangefinder of Barstool Sports and the Four Play guys. And it's just they've they, they we owe them so much of this success, it's, it's outrageous, right? Like obviously again, you get into a marketing partnership, you have to pay them and everything, but even just along the way, it's just the freebies that they would hand out to us just posting or, or talking about it, right? Like we've run into Riggs and Frankie out just randomly on a golf course in Myrtle beach or like randomly in, in Boston. And they just, we tell them we're the pin guys and they're, they just, they eat it all up. So they, they shout out to them. They've been, they've been an amazing partner for the last, four years now yeah that's pretty incredible so like it's wild that was that was in 2019 so that was like a year literally a year after yeah like not even we we started working with them like not even a year after and, and that was like the the very almost pretty much the very first marketing dollars that we we coughed up to to sort of run with and we were it took us a while to even like muster up enough courage to be like yeah you know what like we have to try this, right? Like we've been listening, we've been, we've been following Barstool, obviously being in the Boston area since they started. Right. And we just, we knew that everyone knew who Barstool was and the foreplay guys were had been taking off. So we were like, 
if we're going to go down swinging, this is how we're going to go down swinging, right? Like we realistically shouldn't even be in this situation in the first place. So it's like, let's just go down swinging and we hit a home run. Yeah. So was it instant, yeah. just like instant sales? Like, cause you think about, there's so many different facets to a business, yeah. right? Like sales marketing, but then you think about like supply chain too, and being able to keep up with the demand. Like, oh, yeah. was that I an mean, issue at all when you were <laughs> totally scaling? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Like I said, we didn't know anything, right? Like I'm in, I'm in, when at this, at this time I'm in, in my South Boston apartment fulfilling these orders, right? Like my girlfriend at the time, she would come over and I'd have boxes just in my room, like as high as the ceiling. And I'd be, she, she'd, she'd come in and she'd, she'd help me fulfill some of the orders. And she'd be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I don't know what, like this is what it's got to get done. You know, like this is what has to get done. And um, it actually, it's another quick, funny story. The very first year, I'm pretty sure it was 2018, uh, we had we had oversold and we were expecting a shipment to come in that got delayed right before the holidays. So we had, we had pre-sold a ton for the Christmas holidays because like, we can't miss Christmas. We'll get this order in, not even thinking that there would be any sort of delays, right? We don't know anything about supply chain. This is when this is like the beginning of when China and the U.S. started kind of button heads. Um so our order got delayed and we, we ended up missing Christmas. So we, we didn't have product to ship out. So we had to send everyone an email just kind of saying like, Hey, very sorry for this, this boneheaded mistake. You could, you can wrap up this little letter and put it under the tree and say, your rangefinder's coming. It'll be out within the next week, just with the holiday shipping and everything like that. We just, we missed the deadline and, we're super sorry. And a ton of people just emailed us back, like thanking us for being straightforward. And just, um, we, it gave, we gave them the option to, to, um, to get refunded, but no one really took the option. So we were like, all right, well, something we learn is just be straightforward with people. And, and they actually respect that. But yeah, I mean, when, when the order started coming in, when we started working with bars, so it was, it was pretty overwhelming. Like, the, the ladies at the post office just the little <laughs> post like, office get out in of town, here, like, Alec. they hated yeah, yeah they, legit, <laughs> they, they like hated me they like yeah. they, they but that's just a huge flex is just coming in with all these orders you know what i mean Dude, it, was, it was overwhelming like just yeah. boxes and boxes full yeah. and, and just dropping them off and them having to scan every single one i mean that's why they hated it because they had right. to scan in every single one yeah um but yeah it was it was i'm very thankful that we no longer i don't we don't have to ship our own orders yeah. anymore so so that was in 2019 i mean like the next thing that kind of comes to my mind is covid right covid yeah. was a crazy time obviously for the world but especially for golf with all of these people starting yeah. to play everyone's locked inside social media xyz and i obviously don't have to state it here but crazy time so like what was that like like anything interesting over that period or over that year yeah, I mean, COVID took off. Yeah. I mean, COVID took golf took off during COVID. Excuse right. me. Obviously, obviously, COVID took off. Yeah, COVID, um, COVID went off. But, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, COVID just I mean exploded the game of golf. Uh, as everyone probably listening, as just everyone who knows the game of golf, it was obviously a terrible, terrible time for the entire world. But the silver lining is the game of golf just got rejuvenated and i think during that one year three million new people who had never stepped foot on a golf course before stepped foot on a golf course and, and tried it out and 
uh, I would have to assume the retention rate is pretty high in those 3 million people because, as you know, once you get out on the golf course, it's just you're hooked. You know, you hit one good shot, you, you flush one good shot, right. and it's like, it's right, over. Well, now I'm coming back. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we definitely saw a huge uptick in, in sales and engagement and just the brand during that entire year. And I think ultimately that's what led to that that pop is what led to me being able to leave my full-time job mm-hmm. to pursue this full-time. You know, right. I, I quit my day job March of to- 2021, mm-hmm. which was sort of, I don't want to say like the end of COVID. Or I don't, I, again, I'm not, we're not, this isn't a science podcast, but right. um, some, near the end of it. So yeah. um, it, it was a, a, a crazy time and, it just it did tremendous things for the game of golf, mm-hmm. and it still has. You know, sure. like all, just the, the game is is thriving more than it ever has. So, right. I mean, we're we're fortunate to be at the right place at the right time, mm-hmm. selling the right product. Love it. So when you think of pinned, right, and you think of like the product development cycle of pinned, because I've been on your website, I've checked it out, and I've seen like different iterations of your guys's rangefinder. Can we kind of yeah. talk through that? Like talk through like how the product itself has changed over time? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, as you know, technology is always changing, right? It's always right. getting better. And, and especially within a, a, an industry like golf where there's a, a good amount of money being thrown around. So, um, I mean, our, our products have drastically improved, right? Mm-hmm. So our, our very first model was like, a, like we said, a, a proof of concept just came out with it just to kind of see if there was a mar- product market fit. Sure enough, there was. So then from that point forward, we really started working with a, a design team um, to help really dial in the aesthetics of the product and then um, really working with closely with our engineering team as well to really dial in the tech. So right. every single year, we've, we've added little features here or there, whether it's getting rid of the actual battery and putting in USB-C rechargeable battery or mm-hmm. going from no magnet on the side to now including a magnet on the side so you can stick it to the side of the golf cart or going from no no slope technology to slope technology. So right. um, over the years, we, we've definitely, definitely improved our product and, and a lot of that comes from our customers, right? I think one of the, the biggest things that I've learned in, in my professional, my short professional career of corporate America was the guy who started the telecom company that I worked for. Just, he, he was so good at listening to all of his customers Every anything that they would say that they wanted, he would mm-hmm. try to make happen, just do whatever he could to, to make it happen. So that's something that I, I definitely took away from him and I'll, I'll continue to, to use that. So we constantly ask our customers for feedback of like, hey, how do you like this? What do you think we can improve upon? What new features would you like to see? So um, that's really what helps us and guides us to, to continue to evolve our product. And um, I think the, the product that we have out now, the Prism Range Finders, is easily the, the best product that we've put out. And mm-hmm. and the numbers and the feedback have have agreed with that for sure. Yeah. What about the, the color selection? Has that always been a thing for you guys? I know that there's some no. interesting looking range finders, right? I mean, you think about, and you yeah. don't want to name names and neither do I, but you think about like the traditional <laughs> range finder, X amount of money. Yeah. And it just looks like they all sort of look the same, right? They're black, they're exactly. silver. Maybe there's a little bit of yeah. white with a black accent, but you guys kind of have, you know, a different sort yeah, of flair I mean, there, right? Okay. 
yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of touch all the bases in, in terms of the colors and um, that's not going to slow down anytime soon. I think, again, we just, we looked at the golf industry as a whole and, and we realized we were like, well, head covers, polos, bags, shoes, gloves, everything was getting this, these cool brands creating and these cool patterns and these funky colors. And we were just, we looked at our vertical too. And we were just like, well, no one's really doing this in the rangefinder space. Like why? So then we met with our, our engineering and design team. We were just like, Hey guys, like, let's see what we can do with this. And when we realized it was possible, we were just like, okay, well, why the hell not? You know, like you, you don't see this anywhere. Um, and it's definitely paid off for us. So this is our, our second year of the, of the prism range finder. We've gone from, we started with six colors and now we're up to nine. Um, with a, a few more potentially coming soon. And it's, it's been great. It's been people, like I said, people enjoy um, showing off their gadgets on the golf course and, and putting and, and customizing what to their, to their liking. And this just falls right into that sweet spot. Cause like you said, there's nothing out there. There's black, there's gray, there's a little bit of white and that's, that's about it. Right. Okay. No, that's dope. Um, when did you guys start like diversifying sort of your, your offer, your offerings too? Cause you, uh, you know, it's not just the range finder, it's the speaker, right? And yeah. there's, there's a so couple speak- other product offerings you guys have. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, I mean, the majority, the, the, the main drivers are the speaker and the range finder. Um, but the, the speaker just came out of, out of necessity as well. We were just, when we asked our customers like, Hey, what do you guys want to see next? So a lot of people said, a speaker. So we were like, okay, well, this is cool. And then we didn't want to go too far out of our lane. Right. I think there's a lot of brands out there who try to do too much without focusing on one thing, whether they're just trying, they're doing a bag, they're doing a cart, they're doing four or five other things and they're not really specializing on, on one thing. So we said, Hey, you know, we're going to take golf technology, which is still a broad category within itself, but it's, it's still very niche. And we said, okay, we're just going to, we're going to stay in this lane. So the majority of our products that, that that we're going to come out with and that we're going to develop are going to be within this lane. And then obviously you get like some little ancillary like ball markers and just fun stuff like that. But everything that everything that we're going to spend a, a lot of time and effort in developing is, is going to fall within that golf technology space. Mm-hmm. So what's just next, because, man? Again, that's can we say like a, a question? A pin? That's a great question. Uh, launch monitor? Yeah. Potentially. You, you never know. You know, yeah. it's just we, we've gotten to the point where, like I said, we've, we've done a great job at selling at selling rangefinders for the last five years, mm-hmm. speakers for the last year. But we know to 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 grow to the company that we know we can. We know we need to continue to to develop new products. And um, we have a, a pretty aggressive product roadmap here in the next, I'd probably say, 24 months. Yeah. Um, so you'll you'll definitely be seeing some some thing some new things from from the Pinned Boys coming soon. I definitely I can't you can't disclose it here. All right, can't, All right. Can't you had to ask right? quite yet. You had to ask. No, 100%. I yeah. mean, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, but um, yeah. So I, I think again, it's just it's continuing to evolve within that golf technology space. I think, 
Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of cool companies out there doing pretty impressive things. And I, I, I think obviously I, I truly believe that we're one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just going to continue, continue to evolve within that space. All right. So when you think about golf and just like revenue opportunities, right, there's obviously D to C and you pretty much, you brought up earlier, right. Selling directly to the shop. And it sounds like you're still doing that, but like if you kind of had to break down just pinned in general and, Say there's a company out there that's thinking about starting a, a golf company or someone who's thinking about like, where should the focus be spent? Should it be 50, 50? Should it be straight directly to the consumer or do you, yeah. do you recommend going to the, the pro shops? Yeah. I mean, I think right off the bat, I think you should focus on direct consumer. I think it's the easiest sort of to get up and running. I think it's the most profitable in terms of, you don't have to you don't have to eat away at your margins by wholesaling something, right? You, the margin, well, the only variant in the margin is how much money you want to spend on marketing. Which again, you can get things off the ground for not spending anything, right? I think the viral virality of TikTok and things of that nature, you just see these videos going viral talking about products and things like that, and you just hear these stories of people selling thousands and thousands of of units just by one video. So. Um, I think there's better opportunity in indirect consumer starting off as opposed to going wholesale because again, like I said, you're eating away at your margin. You, it's a time suck too. Whether you're going to go out and try and sell these these pro shops or you're going to hire someone to do that, and that's more expensive. So that's just no. Again, just that you're not offsetting any sort of risk. So I'd say focus right off the bat, as we did, just 100% of your time on direct consumer. Because then if you build that brand up big enough, then the other side will will ultimately open. Doors will open up. Right. All right. Well, then if that's the case, digging in, because I just bought an e-com course, right? And this guy, again, I'm interested in e-commerce. That's why I'm freaking pumped to have you on, right? So this guy, his name's Stephen Cho. He wrote a book and uh, he, he created a company called Bumblebee Linen. So he literally freaking sells handkerchiefs and it's like a seven figure <laughs> store, right? And he it's preaches this model where like he starts off on selling sort of FBA, fulfillment by Amazon, at, at, sort of as yep. a proof of concept, right? And then eventually like taking that offline to like a Shopify or Squarespace and selling D2C. So like my question to you is in prepping for this interview, I went to Amazon, saw you guys have a presence on Amazon. I kind of just want to pick your brain as a business owner. Like what is doing FBA at, at large scale like that? Like, do you like working with Amazon? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just the nature of the beast, right? I think Amazon's the biggest e-commerce store in the entire world. I don't think that I know that. Um, and I, I, I know that I, I don't want to throw out a, a outrageous stat, but I would assume the majority of e-commerce journeys start on Amazon, whether that's someone hears about a product on a podcast or they see it on TV or they read about it, or they, they the first thing they do is they go to Amazon to, to look, to see, okay, are there good reviews? What's the price? Yada, yada, yada. And just kind of, that's where their research starts. Um, that's just based off of my research. That's, that's what we've seen. Um, I don't necessarily oversee the Amazon team that helps us, but it's just we they they've driven a, a good amount of a great amount of revenue for us. And like I said, it's just it's a necessity at this point, right? I think again, we have wholesale, we have Amazon, and we have direct consumer. Direct consumer and Amazon are, are essentially one, um, but 
you you do need an Amazon presence. I mm. think in this day and age, right. it just it's 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 its own beast. Like yeah. it's just. I mean, some of these Shopify's listings are easy. literally getting like hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales a month. Just one exactly. listing. Like if you can yeah. rank on Amazon for the front page, yeah. it's it's like mind blowing the amount of traffic out from an outsider looking in, having like no experience or no uh like prior like i said experience selling on the platform right it's literally like incredible yeah. what takes place on amazon the traffic the engagement oh, yeah. it's, it's gnarly yeah i mean it's a, it's a total own ecosystem right like they have like search optimization within amazon so you have to keyword searches keyword bidding ad ad structure all of that it's like it's 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 its own it's its own piece and it's, it's definitely overwhelming, right? Like when we first started, we didn't take as much advantage of it as, as we should have because it was just, it was overwhelming. Like you said, like, and I've said too, we didn't know anything. So we were just like, Hey, you know what? Like Amazon is, is definitely going to be in our playbook eventually. But like, I got 20 emails I got to respond to. We have 30 packages I have to ship. We have this, this, and not 10 other things we have to happen. And Amazon kind of fell to the wayside. And that's sort of one of my biggest regrets of starting Pinned is not really going in on Amazon off the bat just because it's just, it's, it's so fucking big. Yeah. It's massive. There's just so many people on yeah. it too. It's, it's like unfathomable how big it is and how many views and hits right. like our brand even get, let alone companies who are doing eight figures on, on Amazon. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's wild. Right. And there's plenty of brands out there that are doing it. Yeah. Is it concerning? Like as a you think about the Amazon FBA, like they definitely take more, you know, there's fees to fulfill. But at the same time, it's it's pretty convenient for you, right? I mean, it's literally just like yeah. we have to order X amount of units, get it to the, the yeah. Amazon warehouse, and it will ship out, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we, we work with third-party logistics companies for all of our direct consumer products, all of our wholesale products as well. And and obviously FBA for, for all of our Amazon products. It's just, it's, it's obviously a little bit more of a, a higher price, higher premium to, to just kind of take that off your plate. But it's just fulfilling orders is just, it's such a time suck. It's just it, the time that my team has can be so much better used up, up in other places than just kind of sitting there, pick back and shipping. So we obviously have run numbers and done all of that and, and figured out that it's the, the price that we pay to have an FBA or another company that we work with um, do all of the shipping for us. It just, it, the return on that is, is great. All right. So when you, you brought up 3PL a couple of times, so like when you focus on that 3PL, right? Like when was the right time or when should someone consider doing and using a 3PL just when it's <laughs> like overwhelming. And like you said, all yeah. this time suck and, you and your girlfriend can't yeah. hang out because your your <laughs> yeah. room's full of rangefinder. Like you know when you should do yeah. 3PL because you're already seeing profit, right? And it's just a matter of of like, all right, what can I do to scale? It sounds like exactly. Okay. That that's just that's the, the question that you got to have, and you just kind of look at okay on a daily basis, like what is taking up the majority of my time? Right. And at that time, unfortunately, it was packing orders. You know, right. like when we first started, like. I would come home from work and have to pack orders. And then I got to a point where my buddy had bought a house and then he started doing all of the, the, the packing for us. And that was all he had time for. You know, he right. was, it was still a side hustle, still high side hustle up until two Fridays ago when he quit his full-time job and is not doing pin full-time. So mm -hmm. big shout out to Buck for, for making the jump. Yeah. But, Buck, um, he reached out. Shout out to Buck, dude. 
Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it it just got too overwhelming, and right. it was just like, okay, you know what? Like, we'll, we'll cough up a couple bucks on every single unit just to just to know what have the peace of mind that someone is going to always be there. And again, like if Buckley went on vacation or something like that, like there would be a few days where we wouldn't have anyone who would be able to, to do the shipping. So like the right. shipping were delayed. So just have that, just to know that there are other companies out there that are big companies using this, the, the, the shipping company that we use. It's just, it's just the peace of mind. For sure. All right. Well, I want to talk lessons learned, man. I mean, you'd kind of brought it up initially, but it sounds like there was a ton of growth. And I think that's a big part of this is like growth, right? Like you maybe didn't feel that in your current job. And now like you're challenged, you love it. Like you're super pumped to be where you're at. And like you had said, you'd accomplished so much over these past five years. But when you do reflect back and you do look at like the journey itself, like what are some things you kind of like learned about yourself that, you know, are interesting but you'd also want someone else to learn who's maybe thinking about starting your own business yeah for sure um i think the, the biggest is just that it's 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 definitely a lot of hard work you know like it's just it's not easy right like i think again you have a, a tiktok a tiktok video go viral and you're doing a thousand orders right or something along those lines like that's still within itself is a lot of work right like overnight successes just don't happen and as you alluded to, right, it's been it's been a five year journey to get to where we are today. And it's just it is it, there's a lot of things that I've missed out on. There's a lot of arguments that have taken place because I'm like, no, I can't do this. I have to I have to focus on doing this or I can't can't be part of that because I have to go do a, a, be at a golf tournament or something like that. So um, there's you have to find the balance. Um, but you also have to, at, at the end of the day, just know that it's up to you, you know, like at, for, for a while, I was our only full-time employee. We had obviously some contractors and things like that helping us out, but it was, it was my job to continue to move the ball forward and, and definitely super stressful. But again, huge that Buckley came on a couple of weeks ago and, and is now I, I can't, I can't even explain how excited I am to, to have him have and just see how we're able to grow this thing. Um, so I think long story short, definitely super hard work. I think, I think I realized that I was a little bit more disciplined than I had actually originally thought I was um, just being able to say no, right? Like again, being two years out of school and all my buddies going to the bar and me having to say, yeah, you know what? Like, I actually can't go tonight because, like, I have to. I have to pack orders, or like, I have to stay up and, and talk to our manufacturer, or um, or do something along those lines. It's just there's a lot of those those situations that that come about if you're you're trying to to do something on your own, and it's it. You just gotta at the end of the day, you gotta dig deep and you gotta realize like, if I want this, I know the right choice. Um. So that that's definitely, I'd say, hard work, discipline. Um, what else? I think the other other piece of advice or, or or lesson that I learned is just a lot of time management too. You know, like when I was first getting out of school, I only all I had to do was work. You know, like I just I did have a, a girlfriend for a while, and but like at my day job, I just I got there. 
I worked, I went home and I hung out, you know, like there really wasn't really wasn't much to it. And then starting to do pinned, I was just like, okay, well now I actually have to, to iron some things out. I have to put blocks around. Okay. I can't, can't do this. I, should I should do this when I get home? Just sort of organizing my day around right. trying to to excel at both fields was was definitely tiring and definitely something that again they don't really teach you at school. You right. know, like you go to school, you you go. Dude, to what class, is school go, like? Yeah, exactly. You, would, you know? would you go like, back to school? I mean, like if you could do it over again, like what what is the point of college, man? Like you said, you're uh, learning all yeah. these skills, right? You're learning all these skills no, now. For sure. And dude, I fucking went to business school too. They don't teach you really anything other than, hey, no. show up. But I just feel like now we have the internet, right? And you can learn so much through for these sure. resources and just taking a course too, right? And like yeah. learning from someone who's actually done it, like yourself or like the course that I had initially bought. I think that's also super important too, because you can just go straight to the source of knowledge, right? Yeah, no, 100%. And that's yeah. why I think over the last couple of years we've had from my school, actually, uh, we've brought on a, a decent amount of interns, right? Because I understood that like, hey, they don't teach you how to do this stuff, right? Like they, they don't show you how to talk to suppliers overseas or they don't show you how to create Facebook ads. Well, at least they didn't when I was in school, right? They don't show you how to, to leverage some email marketing tools or things of that nature, right? So I'm not going to say I wouldn't go back to school just because th everything, things that have happened to me from that, like my co-founder, I met at school. I got a job from my co-founder's dad. So like that, that whole, it, everything happens for a reason, but like, do I think that school is a necessity at this point? I don't know. Like, like you said, there's, there's individuals out there making a, a very good living for themselves who've never stepped foot on a college campus and I think there's just there's so much education out there that are outside of the walls of an institution or of a university that, like you said, just talking with me or talking with someone who's who's done it, listening to podcasts and things like that. And, and again, Shopify and e-commerce have made made that extremely possible for individuals who who just have a, have a drive. You know, they 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 find a, a good product. They have some sort of of marketing mindset and creative mindset. And they just, they don't take no for an answer. Right. So did you have any mentors kind of throughout this entire process or did you literally just figure it out yourself? Yeah, definitely. No, no, no. I can't take full credit for this yeah. by any means. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a ton of good mentors um, over I mean, it's growing up, like mm -hmm. ever since growing up. Right. I think in terms of pinned, um, there are a few few people who have started e-commerce companies and grown e-commerce companies and sold e-commerce companies that I was able to um, become friendly with and just mm -hmm. be able to just pick their brain on essentially everything, right? Like, mm -hmm. hey, what do you think of this? Our ROAS is dropping because of this. What do you? What should we be doing here? How did this work for you guys? What's your influencer strategy? Things of that yeah. nature. Were so, they in the golf um, niche too, or were they just like you some, know, outside? Somewhere of for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, somewhere for sure. Um, and which was super helpful, right? We right. weren't competing against each other. They were selling completely different products, but like we could just bounce ideas off of off of each other and, and say what was working, and then just intro each other to people that 
had helped us because mm-hmm. it was just like we, we're not competing by any means. We're all we're fishing in the in in the same sea, but we're it's just different products. So um, so super helpful, and I, I can't stress that enough. And that's why too we we bring on interns every single year is because like I love being again like I I don't I didn't know anything when I first started. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to consider myself uh, an expert at this point, right? I've learned a ton. I still continue to learn on a, on a daily basis, but I just want to be a resource for individuals who want to, to kind of do or go down the path that I did. Because mm-hmm. again, I, <laughs> I went to school, I had a ton of fun at school, wasn't the best student, right. got in trouble a good amount. Hey. And now I'm it's part of the process, business, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Love it. All right. Last so, question before we get to closing words. Do you have like a, a certain platform from like a social media advertising perspective that you like more, be it like meta or TikTok? Like, is there one that you prefer from a usability standpoint or like a, you'd mentioned ROAS, like ROAS uh, perspective. Is there one that converts higher? Or do you think it's just based on the sort of content and like the creatives you make for the particular platform? Because you think about um, Instagram and TikTok, right? I'm sorry, they just don't feel the same from a user experience. Like, no, for sure not. And I, I, again, I, I wish there was a like a magic bullet that I could just I knew how to to create phenomenal creative that converted on both platforms. Um, I mean, I, I will say, Meta is just Meta's the goat. You know, like they're just Zuckerberg knows what he's doing. There's been. I don't even know how many companies have just generated insane amount of revenue just by strictly Facebook. Obviously, again, they got they got throttled with the whole iOS 14 um, scale back and everything. But again, Zuckerberg's an absolute genius. He's a beast. So he's, he's clearly found a way around all of that. Yeah. Are you um, taking Zuck and, over Elon in that jujitsu match or what? Oh, I think, I mean, in terms of entrepreneur, I, I think I, I, I think I like Elon a little bit better. I think he just yeah. has a little bit more of an attitude and a little bit more of just a pizzazz. But I think in the actual fight, if they do fight, you got to take Zuckerberg. No question, right? Like Dude, Zuckerberg's yeah, jacked. Andy literally does jujitsu. Elon's jiu-jitsu. running around. Exactly. Yeah, like who even knows no. what that guy's up to? Dude, he's sleeping on the floor. Yeah. His back's probably yeah, fucked 100%. up. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. He doesn't look like he's done a, a single physical activity in – years yeah. so you got to take zuckerberg in that just getting sure. in and out of a cyber truck like his one bicep <laughs> yeah but anyways yeah. all right well dude i really enjoyed having you on i learned a ton uh any closing last words or any any final thoughts um well i first and foremost appreciate you having me on this is a blast i always love um getting on and, and talking one obviously about pinned and then two just entrepreneurship within itself. I've, I've become an entrepreneur nerd. I love just kind of geeking out about it. I love hearing stories. I love talking about it. I love encouraging and motivating other entrepreneurs who are thinking about making the jump into it. I just, I, I love hearing those stories as well. So, um, I mean, the, the last, I guess, little tidbit is similar to what I just said. Is just like, just go for it. You know, just as cliche as it sounds, you know, like, life is too short to just kind of hold back and not try things. I think 
the, the worst that could, the absolutely worst that could happen is you lose a couple bucks, right? Like if that's, if you're trying to start an e-commerce company, you buy product and it just, you don't sell it, right? Like it's just, okay, great. Just don't quit your full-time job before you do it. Just start it as a side hustle, right? Like I've done it. It's, it's super doable um, and just scale accordingly and just, just try it. There's, there's really no downside into just kind of trying. And then you won't know unless you try and you can't win if you don't play. So that's the, that's my motto. I say probably a hundred times a week is you can't win if you don't play. So just, you might as well try. 